0: Overcrowding at local county jails has long been a problem. Take, for example, what's happening at the Washington County Detention Center. Sheriff Tim Helder told the legislative committee last week that his jail has been well over its capacity for months, with little relief in sight. The quorum court is considering using federal COVID relief money to build an addition to the jail, while a committee has been looking at ways to reduce the number of incarcerated nonviolent offenders. Meanwhile, The overcrowding creates a number of health and safety issues, both for the jail staff and the inmates. We'll talk about the latest proposal to expand the jail, and what other steps are being taken to address this situation on today's Know the News podcast. Hello, I am Rusty Turner, and I'm the editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I'm the host for today's podcast, and today I'm joined by Washington County Sheriff Tim Helder. He's the person responsible for the County Detention Center and is dealing with this these issues every single day. Sheriff Helder, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Rusty. Thanks for the invite.
0: I appreciate you being here. Also with us is Tom Sissom. Tom covers Washington County government for the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and he has written literally dozens of stories over the years about jail overcrowding issues at this jail and other jails, I would imagine, uh, during his career. So thanks, Tom, for, for coming on today.
2: This has been a recurring theme for a good number of years, yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, All right. Sheriff, I will start with you. Can you just kind of give us uh, uh, an overview of what the situation is like right now at the Washington County Detention Center?
1: Sure. So as of today, uh, a snapshot in time, our high count was 798. Um, We have approximately, well, at that time there were 140 uh detainees that uh have to sleep on the floor um and i think uh another telling number is we have 163 uh uh, state prisoners that we're holding waiting a a bed space at uh, adc so uh our numbers uh, rusty and tom have uh, been on a steady climb uh, since our early release during COVID, as you know and uh, we've just hit a high uh, all-time high number on monday of 820. so this uh this is a crisis mode and uh, but what we're trying to do as you uh, alluded to at the at the intro we're trying to work with the quorum court to get some uh relief as far as it pertains to COVID and future pandemics not to add beds for future growth but this is really to add space and sprawl for those detainees that we're currently holding, if that makes sense.
0: Sure, sure. Um, and this overcrowding—you said 140 inmates uh, uh, sleeping on the floor. You've, um, uh, you know, what does that kind of overcrowding mean uh, to to the inmates and the jail staff? It's got to create some 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 security and health uh, issues for for all of them.
1: Well, I I think the the obvious lead in is anytime we're overcrowded uh, at this level, it it creates uh, uh, kind of an attitude within the jail of the detainees that they're frustrated, they become angry, and uh, then they lash out uh, either at each other or our deputies. In fact, over the last year or so, if I were to tell you that we had 104 uh, workers' comp filings within our uh, facility, uh, 74 of those were, or 71, I think, 74 were uh, workplace violence, and that means that they were attacked by uh, detainees and injured in the course of that. So that's, that's one aspect of overcrowding and what it does. The other side is, if I told you then that we had 798 uh, as a high count, um there are actually 776 that are occupying space back within our uh, facility um, of the 776 137 are currently positive with covid and 616 of the 776 are in some form of quarantine so you can do the math and see that we are uh, scrunching uh the people that are not uh, positive or in quarantine into small spaces and they're basically on top of each other. Uh, it just, it's a, it's the perfect storm I'm telling you. Uh, and it, it has to be dealt with.
0: Uh, and Sheriff, I, you know, folks who are not, um, uh, not educated about these kinds of issues, uh, you know, they often, they often look for the simplest solution and, and, you know, somebody out there might be thinking, well, why don't they just let some of those folks out of jail? Um, so, you know, I, uh, wanted to give you the opportunity to let us know what kind of discretion you have with that. That's not, that's not always your decision about who gets to go, go to jail and who gets to get out.
1: Right. And I'll try not to make this too convoluted, but by constitution, uh, the only detainees that I have uh, the liberty to release on my own are misdemeanants, And we do that very effectively. In fact, if we have any misdemeanants in, it's just they're probably getting booked in and getting ready to be released. Um, So then that leaves us with our felons. And uh, those can only be released uh, through the courts. The judges have to authorize that release. And we work on a daily basis, giving our prosecutor who shares those with the public defender and the judge to try and determine uh, who would be the least likely to commit another offense or be a threat to public safety. And then uh, they'll, they'll tell us who we can release or cite out. Um, those numbers are becoming less and less um, by virtue of our FTAs are, are starting to fill up again. And those are people that have been released prior to this during COVID and they've, they've returned. I also might add, it's not really fair to, to pick on uh, Matt or uh, our prosecutor or the courts, you know, because when we did these mass releases, if you'll remember, there was one of those uh, that uh, was involved in the homicide of the P Ridge officer. Now that person, would not on the surface be identified as a risk to public safety as far as uh, violent crime i don't think there was any history of that um, what we're dealing with are a group of people that are really poor decision makers and then it becomes increasingly difficult uh for the courts to determine who are the people that aren't going to commit another crime or a violent act so uh wow. they've just become uh, much more cautious in who who they release so uh, but just for your edification, we do on a daily basis give them a list uh, of folks that that uh, for their review to see if they would qualify for release. I see.
0: So, and you know, as we mentioned earlier as well, this is not a new problem. We've been talking about jail expansions uh, in Washington County for for several years now. So, I was going to uh, throw it to Tom here. Tom, can you kind of give us a little history of? Uh, of what you know about uh, the jail uh, situation and and what the proposals have been over the last few years.
2: Sure. Uh, In 2018, Sheriff Helder came to the quorum court with a proposal to add some normal, traditional jail pods. Uh, The capacity of the jail right now is 710, I believe, and this would have added about 600 additional beds just you know 500 in a you know normal security 100 in minimum security the quorum court at that time wasn't prepared to go to the voters and ask them to increase the sales tax to pay for a bond issue so they had a study done by the National Center for State Courts which came back about a year later, with some recommendations, including forming the Criminal Justice Coordinating Committee and trying to work on ways to reduce the jail population on the front end, you know, either by, you know, releasing people's, you know, expediting the court's process, you know, however it might be. There hasn't been a whole lot done on that. The county recently did have a a warrants amnesty clinic when they cleared up about 30 to 35 cases, I think it was, which, you know, is all good, but it still is not addressing the large problem. And the sheriff mentioned that uh, COVID prompted them to have a lot of early release. So the population dropped very sharply in 2020. Just before COVID, it had been over 800. Mm -hmm. It dropped down to below 400 and now it's back up to more than 800 again. Yeah. So the problem's not going away. I was looking at a story I wrote in 2018, and Sheriff was talking at a quorum court committee meeting saying it was important not to kick the can down the road and, and just you know put it off, put it off, and at some point you, you know make a decision. The 2018 proposal was about a $30 million project and the bond issue would have been $38 million to cover contingencies. I don't know that anybody has any idea now what a, an expansion of that size would cost. This current expansion is much smaller. It's 232 beds and additional space to allow for more isolation and quarantining, and it's going to be $20 million. Right now, the quorum court has... Some of the JPs have talked about using the Federal American Rescue Plan Act COVID relief money to pay for that. Some others have pushed back and said, no, they're not sure, first, that it's allowable under the federal guidelines. And secondly, if that's really the intent of that money, it was thought to be for community support to help people whose lives were impacted by COVID, either through, you know, loss of jobs or needed people to, you know, look after their kids while they worked. And, you know, there are people who quit jobs or lost jobs because they couldn't send the kids to childcare. They were all closed. And you know, food relief has been a, a big issue at several quorum court meetings. Uh, there are a number of local food banks and everyone who's come to all of those meetings has said that their use has just skyrocketed through the pandemic. There are people out there who are making use of, you know, the food banks and other things who weren't before. So there are a lot of community needs. So you've got that, I guess, uh, question of which is your priority. Uh, Right now... They are pending action at the quorum court level. It's been to a couple of committees, has not been approved by the full quorum court. And the funding has not been discussed yet in a committee or a quorum court meeting. That's just mm-hmm. you know crosstalk. Right.
0: So so Sheriff, can you give us some details on this latest proposal, the twenty million dollar proposal that would that would provide more space for quor- more beds and also more space for quarantining and in COVID relief?
1: Yeah. So When we uh, began our talks in earnest again with the court about the uh, alarming uh, increase and uptick in our population, along with our continued exposure and infection of this virus, um, they agreed uh, to allow us to, uh, I I think they allotted $250,000 to uh, start the uh, study and to identify who, we, who it was that we wanted to do this with. So we let it out and we ended up with uh, spirit architecture and uh, construction uh, management uh, ability with uh, Southbuild, And these are the same folks that built the original jail back in beginning in 02 or 03. Uh, in fact, the one we moved into in, in March of 05. Uh, so at any rate, once we got that done, then, then we uh, set up some work days where our staff uh, met for several days uh, with that group uh, to determine what what did it look like uh, what were our needs and what would it look like to create the desired outcome to in fact have COVID mitigation relief in this construction project so i think they were very careful to to limit uh those conversations to how do we build this to deal with the current pandemic and any future pandemics and and what we came up with uh i'm going to try to do this in a concise manner but it was to add uh, two minimum security uh buildings very similar to what our work release uh building looks like now with a few different configurations to allow a little bit more uh, spacing sprawl if you will and then as tom alluded to some quarantine features and separation um so that being done those are two of the major components to this construction and then uh, along with that would be a covered uh, a walkway that would adjoin into the existing facility currently we don't have that uh, piece done it's just a standalone building uh, that people have to be exposed to the outside elements to go back and forth um, then uh, we obviously have a, uh, a medical staff and a, and a space for them to work within, but it is, uh, over time, uh, it has been uh, deemed to be too small. And then when COVID hit, it, it was very obvious that we needed an expansion there for our, our medical team and their holding areas and treatment areas. So that's part of, of this plan as well. Um, our court services, uh, that area, well, it's been in place for 17 years plus years now and we've determined that it is much too small we need we need to enlarge that area uh, to create a uh, kind of a safe space for our our judicial branch uh, our detainees and then also the public that are interested in in uh, being a part of that so that's part of this construction um, there will be uh, a lot of uh, emphasis put on our hvac and return air uh, type Uh, mechanical situations, and then uh, along with that, we're going to ask to uh, build a storage space, uh, increase our storage because we were really uh, literally caught with our our pants down whenever this hit, and we were just like everybody else trying to come up with gloves and and, uh, masks and all all the things that go along with uh, COVID and the people that are in the trenches working, and we just uh, weren't able to just to stay up uh with our needs and so storage uh, facility would allow us to stockpile um, goods of that nature uh for any future uh, pandemics so that we would have ready and easy access to that um tom you were aware of this and you were probably going to ask me but our intake and release area we're going to expand that area to create that separation and uh uh, create more efficacy in our uh, bookend and release, uh, area. And I think that pretty well sums up the construction project.
0: Now I know there've been, um, uh, there've been some other efforts along the way to try to reduce jail population. I know the criminal justice coordinating committee has come up with some things. Tom mentioned the, for example, the, uh, uh, the, uh, um, uh, amnesty, um, uh, uh, program that, that that netted a little bit so uh, have, have any of those programs had a, had an appreciable effect on the jail population uh, are they are, are you seeing some success there in getting at least some folks uh, um, out of jail who may not necessarily need to be there
1: well I think you asked two different questions is yeah. it is it having a, uh, a significant impact on our population I think the answer to that is no um, are there long term, uh effects that could affect our population i think the answer to that is yes Uh, we're in full support of these these amnesty efforts uh in fact uh chief cantrell uh brought up during our last cjcc meeting to uh bring up the possibility if we're going to do uh amnesty outside uh our walls why don't we address uh the 70 plus ftas that we have uh languishing in our detention center right now that might possibly uh, meet the same criteria, so I think they're going to look at that, uh, and and maybe that might have some some impact. Uh, Rusty, you may or may not be aware that uh, back in the day before COVID, you know, we were we were still participating in the 287G program and uh, working uh, in conjunction with our immigration uh, partners, and uh, it just became uh, unmanageable mm-hmm. with our numbers, and then when COVID hit, and so we basically. Uh, suspended indefinitely that program, but I took our existing staff, two two of our deputies, to start up our own in-house pre-trial release program, which I think has been effective, but the numbers are relatively small. But I think uh, our uh, ability to uh, identify people that could possibly function with some oversight out in public until their day in court and also allow us the opportunity to reach out and uh, communicate with them when to be back has proven to be fairly successful but again total numbers are are not huge so we are we are making every effort on our own to reduce our numbers and we are working hand in hand with the cjcc group and we hope that the overall review of the criminal justice system will in the long run help us to identify some efficiencies that we may be missing out on uh, But. The reality is our numbers continue to grow. Um, can I give you an example, Rusty, of uh, just a snapshot if sure. if you'll allow me the liberty to do this? Absolutely, uh, go ahead. So if I were to go back to the year 2017, we had uh, 12,248 intakes, and that extrapolated out to 228,040 board days. Um, so if you go to the next year, uh 2018 the intakes went up to 13,256 and then our board days kind of uh mirrored that they went up just a little bit to 234,177 board days then in 2019 our numbers kind of went down a little bit to 12,946 but our board days increased to 252,488. Then in 2020, as you know, COVID hit, and our intakes reduced. Uh, we worked with all of our area departments, tried to uh, figure out some some methods of not arresting as many people, and they cooperated, and it worked. We, we booked in uh, 8,489 people, and our board days also dropped to 186,449. Well, then 2021 rolls around, and our intake, did not go up significantly. They only increased to 9,130, still some three to 4,000 below what they had been in years prior. But listen to this number. Our board days were up to 223,143 days. Well, I know these are a lot of numbers, and but I, what I hope to do by telling you that is to identify some of the problems are that our people are just staying longer in our jails um we think that the fda's definitely have an impact on this um, um when so when we've tried to when we've tried to internally uh impact our numbers you know we've we've on our own we've gone to madison county and and uh, all these years trying to be a good neighbor and help them out we discontinued that contract we just have a handful of theirs still in our facility we have uh, worked with the uh marshal service to cut back on those numbers um, which as you know, most people don't care, but from a fiduciary standpoint, those are what we call paying customers and they help offset our budgetary uh, cost to operate this jail. So we are uh, on our own reducing those numbers, but our bed days continue to rise. So we're just seeing people stay longer. And I I think that's an important message to get out uh, to the public. It's We're getting out everybody we can but the board days continue to rise with a smaller number of intakes.
0: And you, you use the term FTA just to, just so our listeners are clear on that. Those are those are people who are in jail because they failed to appear in court. FTA means failure to appear. So those are people who had a court date or had a had a, an obligation to the court and they and they, they failed to meet it, and that's how why they ended up in jail. Is that correct?
1: Yes, and yeah. they are felony. Yeah, uh,
0: failure to. Yeah, right. Not not misdemeanor
2: felonies. So. Correct. Yeah, Tom, did you have a? I would just wanted to make sure we we touched on the the Madison County yeah. and the Marshall mm-hmm. Service because they they do have a, a number of beds mm-hmm. or have had. Uh, do we want to get into the yep. the governor's news? From I, w- yesterday? I was going to say
0: the governor uh, the governor uh, uh, added a little bit to this uh, this stew yesterday. So Tom, you want to talk about that?
2: Uh, uh, governor Hutchinson announced yesterday that he is going to ask the legislature in the fiscal session that's coming up. <laughs> For money to build 498 additional beds at the north central unit, which is in Calico Rock or near Calico Rock, Uh, estimated time for construction is three to four years. I'm thinking they wouldn't start till next year, according to what was discussed yesterday. Uh, The governor indicated they don't have precise plans, so it's somewhere between 60 million and 100 million dollars. To add those beds to the Calico Rock facility. And he also discussed statewide the problem with uh, state inmates in county jails has gotten to the point where it was well over 2,000 at the most recent count. It had been 2,300 and something in January. So I was going to ask Sheriff Helder if the state gets those additional 498 beds, how much relief might that mean for Washington County considering the statewide situation?
1: Tom, it's hard to say for sure, but it won't be overly significant because there are 75 states, um, I mean, 75 counties in the state, sorry. And uh, they're all gonna be sending uh, prisoners, obviously Pulaski, Benton, Washington, and a, and a few others probably uh, have the majority of the backlog. Um, but I, you just take the number two thousand; it was twenty three hundred, and it's not much less than that right now. Uh, but three years down the road, I think we have the potential for twenty three hundred uh, back up to increase before those beds are open. But listen, having said that, kudos to the governor for recognizing this and. Uh, really stepping up and doing something that's probably not overly popular, uh, as a governor because I think the last time that a governor actually stepped up and, uh, increased, uh, bed space and, in, in or built new construction, uh, in the prison system was 2003. And, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I can get them. Uh, it, what's alarming is the number of county jails that have either added on or new, Facilities built in that same amount of time, and in large part to the uh, the the increasing numbers, not just from the state, uh, but from just plain old good police work, where people are coming to jail. So,
0: well, we've also had situations like we've seen in Madison County, where you know it no longer has a uh, a viable jail, and so any Mm -hmm. any uh, uh, detainees uh, in Madison County have to go someplace else. And for a while, they were coming to Washington County. Now they're having to take them elsewhere. So.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, I, I sympathize with then uh, Sheriff Philip Morgan, and and of course Rick Evans is the sheriff now, and mm-hmm. and we've got great relationships. And at the time when we started this, it wasn't that we were just had a lot of room, but it was the right thing to do to help them out. They didn't have any choice, and uh, but all the while thinking that they would be working behind the scenes to go ahead and get a facility built, mm-hmm. and that just wasn't getting any traction. So uh, they've paid us a lot of money over the last uh, few years that, that could have been going toward a, a detention center. So hopefully um, this won't leave them in alerts for too long. Hopefully this will get the attention of the citizens of Madison County and they'll do what they need to do to get a, a facility
0: built. So Sheriff, what's, uh, what's your hope for the next step? Where uh, What needs you know, what's the next step in the process to uh, maybe a little closer to, to, your, uh, to getting this expansion uh, moved forward?
1: So I would, I would anticipate that uh, probably as soon as next Thursday's Quorum Court meeting, hopefully there may be some meaningful discussion about the use of ARP funds. Is, is that the direction we want to go in totally or partially? And if not totally, what are we going to do about the other part? I think that we have significant buy-in uh on behalf of the court that recognize this need that we've recognized for probably going on eight or ten years now that this was this was coming but what i want to reemphasize what i opened up with is that this uh this covid mitigation uh project will not increase our ability to hold more detainees if you really look at our numbers right now This will only allow us to to uh, reassign detainees that are currently in our uh, facility at these these high numbers and give us the separation and ability to segregate and quarantine that we're really missing on at missing out on right now. Rusty, what we've really got to have hard discussions on even after we get this done and. We've got to look into the future because my crystal ball tells me that we still need that major expansion. Um, We've just got to get this part done first and then focus our efforts on what does the future look like? Does the entire project need to be here at Washington County? Do we need to go ahead and further investigate uh, what we keep hearing brought up about regional facilities and all that? I don't care. But the, the fact of the matter is we have got to address the future needs of Washington and Benton County and this corridor, uh, for the dire need for additional bed space in our, uh, detention facilities. All
0: right. Tom, anything you'd like to, to add or, or, or ask?
2: Uh, I was going to ask the sheriff if he might try to explain a little bit to people the reason why you need to have bed space because of classifications of detainees and and the need to keep people separate.
1: Well, we obviously within our uh our system, we don't we can't just throw all classifications together, different different crimes committed, we have to separate and segregate because constitutionally we're responsible for the, the safety and well being of our detainees. Well then you throw on top of that um I can't remember the number i I wrote it down and i've got several things going on here but if i were to say that of the 776 detainees that are currently in our facility approximately 300 to 350 have no contact uh, uh recommendations or warnings within our system that means that over half of our current detainee population should not be housed together because they can't get along. They're gonna fight. Well, (laughs) look at our situation where we can't necessarily separate everybody. Uh, It just further complicates that whole process. So, um, Tom, I think that we discussed earlier, if you were to take a snapshot of our detention center 10, 15 years ago, I'm talking about the demographics and the, the type of detainee that we were housing totally different than what we're housing now um i will probably fail miserably at articulating what i'm talking about but the by and large the detainees that we are holding now are much more uh career type criminals or violent criminals we have much more of a gang uh type uh influence and mentality um within our detention center which in turn makes it a much more Violent uh, atmosphere for our uh, detention officers to work within. Uh, I probably chased a rabbit. Didn't answer your question, but if I didn't, please uh, rephrase.
2: No, that that was uh, what I was wanting to get to try and get people to understand a little bit. It's not just numbers. You have to separate men and women. You have to separate juveniles. You, have, you know all kinds of requirements of the law. It's not your choice. You have That's to right. do these things.
1: Tom, you had requested the uh, detention pre-trial and total bed count uh, number from, uh, I think it was February of 19 to current, and uh, because it shows the significant drop-off during COVID and then how it has just steadily climbed uh, back to where we were. I didn't know if if that was something you were just going to do in your written article or something you wanted to discuss uh, today.
2: I think we mentioned that pre-COVID you had just climbed over 800. And, right. and in like two to three months you managed to reduce it down under 400 correct and now you've set another new all-time high you're back above 800 as of Monday mm-hmm. and
1: and remember that um, of our 776 let's say the of today uh, 464 of these are detainees with pretrial charges and then of that the number 369 detainees have only. Pre-trial charges. So, it's those are people that haven't yet had their day in court, Uh, and that's it's over half of our population, well over.
0: Well, I know this is a topic we'll be talking about for uh, for for a while. Uh, This is not going to be a. Uh, a, a solution that's that's easily reached or uh, or one that's reached by one method alone it sounds like it'll be a, a blended method to, to to get us to the point where we need to be so sheriff I appreciate your time today spending some time explaining what's what's going on with the jail and and what your plan is uh, in the short term and the long term to try to address those issues um, I know you're busy but thanks for the few minutes you spent with us today
1: You you bet, Rusty. Thank you. And thank you, Tom. We'll talk to you you later. All
0: right. Tom, thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to know more about this, Tom has a story coming in next, uh, in this weekend's uh, Sunday edition of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Here are a couple of other stories that you might like to see in this weekend's Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. There's some folks in Springdale who have lodged complaints with the city over trash pickup services there. Lorinda Jinks will tell us what the problems are. Stacey Ryburn will fill us in on a proposal to replace a mural on a concrete wall that lines Archibald-Yell Boulevard in downtown Fayetteville. There's a $51 million mixed-use development pending along Walton Boulevard in Bentonville. Mike Jones has the details of that. Down in the River Valley, Monica Brick will give readers an update on all of the new developments at Chaffee Crossing in Fort Smith. And Thomas Ascente will have a story about a new program at the University of Arkansas at Fort Smith called Men of Excellence, and it's aimed at increasing undergraduate enrollment among men, especially black men. These and plenty of other stories will come in your way in this weekend's editions of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And don't forget to check out our Sunday WhatsApp Entertainment section if you're looking for something fun to do. Our subscribers can get all of this content and much more at our website at nwaonline.com and on our replica apps for smartphone and tablet. Non-subscribers don't have to miss out. They can subscribe at our website or by calling us at 479-684-5509. Again, that's 479-684-5509. This podcast comes to you every Friday, and we preview the top stories coming each week. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and all you have to do is click on the button on your device right now, and you'll never miss an episode. Thanks for listening to today's Know the News podcast. I'm Rusty Turner saying so long until next Friday.